You're listening to Cortez Community Radio, 89.5 FM. I'm Tara, and this is Cortez Currents. The opinions expressed in the program that follows belong to the people expressing them, and are not necessarily shared by the Cortez Radio Society, its board, staff, volunteers, or members. Today, I'm bringing you the first episode in the new series, Nourish. Nourish speaks to local farmers, fermenters and food enthusiasts to ask, what feeds us in the time of COVID-19? Today's episode is an interview with Loni Taylor, board member for CEDA, the Cortez Community Economic Development Association. Last month, CEDA conducted a survey to find out how islanders want to increase our food security. Loni shares some of the findings. She also tells us about her own dreams for an abundant local food system and how Cedar's helping us get there. A community greenhouse, island-grown veggies for the food bank, an aquarium that doubles as a cocktail lounge. Let's hear from Loni. Due to the strange reality of this pandemic, I met with Loni via phone call. My name is Loni Taylor. I am originally from uh, Colorado, um, but I've been living in British Columbia for almost half my life. Um, I've been on Cortez for three years and I joined the CETA board in the fall. You might know Loni as an artist from her shows at the Schoolhouse Gallery. Or you might have seen her at Love Fest, adorned with flower garlands, and simultaneously selling tickets, moving crates, serving heaping platefuls of food. Perhaps you've taken one of Loni's dance classes. Any type of arts and culture um, event I, I've tried to get involved with on Cortez. However you know Loni, you'll probably agree with me that she loves community projects and she's got a special gift for making a dream into reality. So when I heard that her latest project is growing a vibrant food system, I wanted to know what her vision is and how she's working to make it happen. So I start by asking Loni, what does food security mean to you? To me, food security is about being able to relieve the individual and the community from stress and anxiety around how they're going to feed themselves and their family. Um, Removing that, uh, that stress and that reality and, uh, you know, taking that weight off allows our community to fulfill all the other roles that you know they want to or were meant to fill, um, and it enables us to be stronger and healthier in the process. So, how can local food systems, food grown and prepared on the island, help our community have better food security, particularly in this time of COVID nineteen? Well, food is everything. And it's quite obvious historically, and very much so on Cortez, that you can't do it alone. And uh, 
there, you know, there's no way to grow all the food that we're accustomed to eating in our diet all by ourselves. Um, even people with really extensive farms on Cortez are s still having to source something from either another farm on Cortez or, you know, off-island grocery stores. So it's a community effort to feed ourselves and each other. And uh, on a grander scale, I think the, the wellness of the community in being engaged and uh, involved with growing food, processing food, and, and, and just being more connected is uh, it's it improves our economy and our well-being, and it's ultimately what's going to offer us the resilience that I think we all really value on Cortez. Loni and I are not alone in talking about food security. Maybe resilience has been valued for a long time on Cortez, but COVID-19's pushed the world to realize that our industrial food system is not exactly resilient. Grocery store shelves are bare. Canada's closed its borders to non-residents, so the normal influx of migrant workers who work on farms are delayed. Seeds have to be put in the soil. They can't wait. But Canada's food production is on hold. I speak to friends in Vancouver who are growing carrots in window boxes and potatoes on balconies. My aunt in London says she can't even get seeds. So food security is a global hot topic right now. But the specifics of how to have local food security depend on each place. It's going to look really different in Vancouver as it is going to here. CEDA it stands for Cortez Community Economic Development Association. Has conducted community surveys and put together the LEAP report. The Local Economic Action Plan. The LEAP report details what Cortesians want our local economy to look like. And, as Loni tells me. And that LEAP report is still what CETA is using as a foundation to uh, guide us in the directions that we've basically derived that the community wants and needs and has a voice to desire for. Okay, so I'm going to open the survey right now and read you some of the questions. It asks, how long have you been growing food? Are you interested in finding more outdoor garden space or orchards to lease for growing? Would you like to get involved with community gardens, market gardens, greenhouse gardens, medicine gardens, a food preservation facility, mushroom farming, orchards, and so on? You can find and fill out this survey on the Tideline if you search CCEDA. But anyway, what this survey has found so far is that a lot of people don't have a secure place to live and year-round land to grow food on. Loni says, We're really not going to get to that place we want to be with food security until everybody has a secure place to live first, <laughs> you know? So that's really what it means to me. And that does actually bring up probably the most important thing that I learned from the surveys uh, that I put out last week um, and, and also just in communications with 
enthusiastic growers, and this has just been, it's, it's just affirming to hear in the survey, but it's not the first time I've heard this, you know, people that have the knowledge and the desire to grow their own food don't have sustainable year round housing on Cortez. And they're usually displaced sometime in the spring. So the ability to grow their own food is extremely debilitated by that reality. It's, it's, it's just, I think key at this point that we really focus on that because until everybody has stability in their housing and has that safe sense of home, um, yeah, it's hard to get to that next step of feeding the community. CCEDA is working to fill this need for permanent growing space. I ask Loni about her own dreams for this space. She says, I really dream and envision it uh, being full of uh, food forests, medicine gardens, hugel beds, uh, like a permaculture stream, basically just producing really high volumes of food for the community and businesses that are uh, processing that food or preparing that food. Uh, I see, uh, you know, in my dream, there's a place for food trucks to be permanently affixed and, um, you know, possible restaurant establishments to be running out of out of the buildings and the food preservation facility is something that I see on a pretty um, effective large scale design where, uh, you know, if we want to make cheese, kimchi, uh, you know, preserve venison, like, I want to see all that to be possible in one licensed, you know, safe place where we can do it and we can do it on a large, efficient scale where the community can be involved and they can learn from the experience and they can be a part of it as much as they want. Um, I also think it's really important that this food preservation facility not just incorporate a uh, licensed commercial kitchen, but also an extensive storage facility. Because one of the main issues that we've um, found in our outreach is that despite the fact that there's several commercial kitchens on Cortez, uh, there's very little opportunity for restaurant food industry entrepreneurs to start up any kind of food business with those commercial kitchens because there's no place for them to store an inventory. Um, And it's just, it's a huge struggle. I think it's really key that we create an infrastructure with, uh, you know, very extensive and pragmatic facilities for cold storage, freezing, um, walk-in coolers, and also, you know, having it to be in a way that can operate for a business. Um, so, yeah, I really see that solving a lot of issues for people. And on the food storage side, I mean, I really see this facility being an enabler for the food security that we're already so potential to have because in a lot of cases we see massive spoilage on this island, especially when it comes to apples, but all kinds of produce that we can grow, but we can't 
store it. We can't make it last because we're lacking the facilities or the space or even just the knowledge of, of creative ways to do that. So yeah, I'm, I'm I definitely feel like the food preservation and the food storage are super key. And after doing that survey, it, that's been very um, affirmed. And there's also a lot of knowledge on the island. There's some very specialized, you know, individuals that have the background to lead us in some of those endeavors and be educators and in the community. But we're in this really unusual time right now where we're actually discouraging visitors to come to the island, discouraging people who might support local food truck ventures. And islanders are more and more in need of immediate help. Loney says, Understanding the needs of our community as a whole and how to reach those most vulnerable in dealing with um, food security right now, especially with the pandemic. Um, What is kind of reassuring what we've received is that, you know, the food bank is uh, always been functioning on Cortez and they're, they're, there's not a, a very, very high need for it that we know of. But part of the reason why it's so unsure is because there's still a lot of stigma around utilizing the food bank. And one discussion that we are having very seriously and some really creative solutions coming out around that I'm sure I'll be able to talk about soon, uh, involving how to destigmatize the use of a food bank system. Um, because, you know, right now you basically have to go to the Cortez co-op on Friday afternoons and pick up a box. And that might seem really simple, but it isn't, you know, and it also might not even, I think, I feel like there's probably a lot of people that just wouldn't even consider utilizing that, even if they just need a portion of help with their groceries, you know? Um, so we're working on methods to destigmatize the use of the food bank, um, especially because a lot of the initiatives that we're about to begin uh, could be boosting uh, the abilities of the food bank in a big way uh, because we're going to basically run into a lot of food and hopefully a lot of surplus food. And we want to be able to give fresh produce, especially as an option to food bank receivers. And uh, I'm confident that we're actually going to see, you know, revenue coming in from some of these initiatives that, you know, with the, the sole, uh, you know, intention of feeding back into the food security system. So, yeah, I see a lot of potential to bulk up the food bank's abilities and, you know, their bank and also ways to dispense that to the people that really do need it and, and in a more accessible, destigmatized way. And he also says the CCEDA is dedicated to working with Clahoos. We want to be able to bring a very large portion of our funding to go back to the Clahoos First Nations as a part of our as a part of reconciliation. Um, as far as contact with representatives there now, uh, I know that we do, we have been in touch with 
um, a, a leader in the community that was really excited to get involved in our next public um, <laughs> gathering, which was going to be based around food security <laughs> and was planned, uh, uh, not like it wasn't, we hadn't set a date yet, but we wanted, we were going to do it in April. <laughs> so that um, isn't happening now, but those lines of communication are definitely open. And um, we do have a member of the board that is um, like very specifically focused on being a part of that uh, reconciliation process and being being the uh, liaison. Altogether, these seem like really big dreams. So I ask Loni, are there other community food projects that inspire you in other places? Absolutely, definitely. Um, oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of really exciting, all very different uh, approaches that people are taking. Uh, I guess the freshest one I just read about was in, I believe, northern BC or maybe even the Yukon. It's a greenhouse, a community greenhouse um, enterprise that uh, has basically had to adapt because of the pandemic. So uh, what they are doing up there originally was to have um, community members have a plot within the greenhouse to grow, you know, their own food. They're offering now to grow the food for people. And because of the grant, they're able to hire more employees to work the greenhouse. And it's, yeah, become a a total community-based food growing initiative, greenhouse process that, you know, is, it's key in that environment in the North. The only way that they can grow that amount of food is in a greenhouse. So it's like their version of the community garden. What about local examples? There's a trend called a food hub uh, that I've looked into several models of. And um, one that's local that I like is the Gibson's food hub. So that's on the Sunshine Coast. And I think that's a really elegant model of, of something similar that we might be able to do here because that combines uh, the food industry and in, it's basically like a market, you know, in one central place where there's several kiosks for the local food vendors to sell. So it's kind of like a full-time farmer's market looking situation, but it, it also focus on, focuses on the fish industry and prepared food and things like that. Um, but then the same building also offers administrative office space. It has an event space that's absolutely gorgeous, as well as a research aquarium that doubles as a rental space for like cocktail hour. They've taken a really creative approach to it. And I like to use the word elegant because, yeah, it's it's beautiful and it becomes uh, an attraction for both the local economy and the tourist economy. Um, and I think it's uh, it gives people a place to go that they're really proud of and and a place to go, period, a place of congregation. I'm excited to see how Loni's dreams turn out. And I know, one way or another, they'll be beautiful and they'll be really abundant. 
That was Loni Taylor, interviewed by Tara Walkington for Cortez Currents. If you'd like to get involved with Cedar or hear more about their projects, you can email them at info at ccedaca And if you'd like to be interviewed on Nourish, you can contact me at tara.w.721 at gmail.com or you can reach out to Cortez Radio. This program was funded by a grant from the Community Radio Fund of Canada and the Government of Canada's Local Journalism Initiative. It was produced by Cortez Currents and first aired on Cortez Radio. I'd like to thank Loni Taylor and Roy Hills for their support with this episode.